Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a rock star on the show. Her name is Michelle Mraz. I hope I said that right. I think I did. Um, Michelle is amazing. I met her recently at Craig Doeswalt's event. And I think you guys are going to love this woman and love her story. So stay with us and do me a favor and share this out. See you in a minute. And we are back. Let me bring Michelle to the stage. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am honored to have you here. You're amazing. I, you know, I don't even, I, I, I don't really even know what you do, Michelle. <laughs> I just met you on it when at the end of Craig's event, and I was like, I love your energy, and and so here we are. You're on the show. You you love my mad uh, selfie taking skills is what you're at, huh? Those those are those are pretty insane, yeah. So Michelle, I I started this show uh, about four years ago, and I've interviewed more than four hundred celebrities and entrepreneurs now, and um, really I started this with the um, the idea of helping people get unstuck. I, I believe that that people get stuck, especially if you own a business. You, you can find yourself getting stuck, not being able to bust through those walls. And um, that's what this show is all about. So why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised? I was born in Trenton, New Jersey at a base called Fort Dix, actually. And then I was raised in the Philippines at Clark Air Base. Wow, the Philippines. Yes. So so how how long were you there? I mean, you so you were there your whole childhood? I was there till I was 15. Oh, okay. So I had a one-year stint where my father, uh, we came to Louisiana. Okay. Where I got to sample America, and then we went back to the Philippines. So, yes, I grew up in the Philippines. I did not understand American life. And uh, it was quite the shock when I got here when I was 15. So you were still in high school. Mm -hmm. Did you speak English? I mean, because there's a like, isn't there's another what's the main language in the Philippines? I should know that. Huh? <laughs> Tagalog. So I, oh. was, I was bilingual when I was there. Oh, wow. But when I moved at 15 and then moved to Nebraska. I didn't have a lot of Filipinos around me. <laughs> and over the years, I just, I lost it. So I can understand it, but I can't speak it. I think Doug Wing is speaking. Oh, it right yes. <laughs> That's my buddy right there. So, so, so you came here at 15. Where did you, when you, when you moved back to the States, where did you land? Well, the first time we landed in, well, Connecticut for like three months and then Shreveport, Louisiana. And my dad wow. was stationed there for about a year. And then we went back to the Philippines. And when we came back to America at 15, we went to Omaha, Nebraska, because my father was stationed. He's Air Force, stationed at Offutt Air, uh, Offutt Air Force Base in, uh, in Omaha. Wow. Jake, you do want to go to the Philippines. It is beautiful. Yeah, we have Nancy watching from the Philippines. Yes. So, so um, I've been through Nebraska. I went through Nebraska one time mm -hmm. on my way to Seattle from Ohio, and I'll never forget. I when I when I because you go into Wyoming, I think is the next state, isn't it? From I I, I think it's one. Anyway, I remember getting I, some, it's one of those states out there. Maybe it was Colorado. I don't know, but I got yeah, out of my car. And I'm Iowa, like, Nebraska, Colorado. Yeah. I just remember going, what was that? It was six hours of <laughs> nothing. Like seriously. 
take even, it from me. I went from tropical island beauty like Hawaii <laughs> to winter in Nebraska. I mean, it was I mean, like, it's it's a little bit. It's 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 a long drive. I do know that it's a it's very long, long but drive. You know what? Out of all my travels, you know, you don't know what I do. I'm I'm an international speaker. I'm an author about of about ooh, eight books now, and. Yeah. I, I coach people on speaking. I help people yeah. condense their messages. So all this traveling I've done, when I want to go home, I still call Nebraska home. I'll go there because Nebraska looks like it has nothing in it. But if you go to Omaha, Nebraska, there's a place called, um, oh gosh, I just dropped it in my head. It's the cobblestone part. It's like Old Town. Yeah. You literally will go into every restaurant. And if it says Indian, there's nothing but Indians cooking. If it says Chinese, all Chinese are cooking. It's so authentic there. It's like this melting pot. It's like the world came together in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. I love it. Lana says, be careful. Nebraska. I didn't say it's not for me. I just remember like it was a long drive through the state of Nebraska. Well, actually, their motto was Nebraska. It's not for everyone. Oh, really? State motto. Look, Pam, Pam Goodwin. Old Market. Yes, Pamela. Thank you. She's, she's from old, Nebraska. The Old Market is the bomb diggity. So if anyone wants to go to Nebraska and think there's nothing out here, I'm telling you, Old Market has authentic everything. It's the most eclectic place. I, I love Nebraska. What I was really Nebraska. what was really cool is it, it takes like two and a half minutes to get through Omaha. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not to say I'm it's kidding. much larger now. It's huge. I'm kidding. Now Omaha and Lincoln are connected. Wow. But I went wow. to the University of Nebraska. So I, I'm a I'm a husker. So uh look at you. Look, Doug says go rats steakhouse. <laughs> Warren Buffett's favorite steakhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 you were in Nebraska and you went to college that, that you already answered my next question. So you went to college in Nebraska. Um, what did you, what was your major in college? Industrial engineering. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You it went does, right into, right. So when you, okay. So you get, you get out of college is, I mean, what was, what was next? What happened? Oh, you don't want to hear that story, do you? That's my yeah. tragic story. It's my tragic story. That's okay. We like tragedy on the show. Okay, this is tra tragedy. <clears throat> so my senior year of college, I, I was on a full scholarship. So my senior year of college, I had a job. I had four jobs at the time, actually. My father had kicked me out at 16, new to the America. Mm. And um, I was in my senior year of college at this time. So I might be 19 at this point. Um, I had four jobs supporting myself and I had a job at a steakhouse and there was mm. a new boy there. Basically, long story short, he came to my house. I made a mistake of letting him in to get his coat and um, he captive raped me. So oh he, kept, he kept me for 10 months and he uh, he wouldn't let me go. He let me go to work. He let me do everything because I was supporting him and it was horrible. So my senior year, I never made it. I did not graduate. Um, oh I ended God. up, I went to my, uh, my, uh, my advisor and I told him, you know, I'm having trouble. And I didn't want to tell him I'm being raped by this crazy guy. And I said, I'm having trouble and I, I'm having, I don't know if I can make it. Can I, can I drop a couple of classes so I can focus? And he said, then you're not going to graduate at all. You might as well forget it. If you can't focus on school, then you can't focus on anything. And so I dropped out of school. Wow. Yeah, that is tragic. That is okay. tragic. We but, don't like that kind of tragedy. But silver lining. There's a silver lining. Yeah. I always thought being smart when I was a kid, that being smart was a detriment. And what I found to get away from this rapist without dying was that I had to outsmart him. I could not muscle him. You've seen me. I'm five foot nothing. And so <laughs> I yeah. couldn't outfight him. So I had to outsmart him. And that's what ended up saving my life. So that's the silver lining. I had to fall back on what I thought was not good, being smart. Use it to manipulate him for him to let his guard down so I could get away. So, but you were you said you were going, you were going to school, like you were leaving the environment, right? What was, what was there just some kind of a fear made that made you go home? He had me, he had no job. 
he just would stand there. So if I went to class, he sat at the, he stood at the door. When I went to, I went to work, he'd stay at the door. His car was always there. So for many, many years, I was absolutely terrified of Mustangs. I mean, just horrified of them. If I heard a Mustang, I could tell you the engine sound of a Mustang. Cause whenever I heard it, I would freak. And so that's what it is, is he, that stalking law was made for people like him. He was always watching me, always. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So, so you, um, wow. Oh, and so he you, had a gun, a big one. Wow. So you, you, you ended up, um, Doug said, I have three Mustangs. I'm sorry. He does. He's no, Doug, don't worry about that because my podcast partner for Denim and Pearls, yeah. he has like six Mustangs, but I'll tell yeah. you that story later. Maybe one day we'll meet. Yeah. Doug, Doug's a, Doug's a collector of, of very fast cars. So, so, um, so you went to, um, you, you went through all that. You ended up getting out of that. And, what what was your job again? You were working at a what? I a was working as a waitress at a steakhouse. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. I was I was a waitress. I worked for, and this sounds scary. I was working for a child protective services. You would think I would have gotten help from there. Yeah, oh I worked at child protective service where I I was the safe house where they took care of the kids that were being abused and stuff. I worked there. Then I also worked as a clerk for the Child Protective Services. So I worked with all of those caseworkers. And then my fourth job is I worked at a a credit union in Omaha. So you go, (laughs) how, how long did you go through that? From my therapy, I had to go to therapy to find out. We assessed about 10 months. And then after that, it goes blank. So you, you finally got away from that mm-hmm. and where did you go from there? Did you keep the four jobs or did you do something else? I kept the four jobs. See, wow. this is the other thing that's pretty cool about it is this kid, this kid was so into himself. I mean, he wouldn't let me even hug my own family at church. He would go to church with me and uh, I had convinced him. I know I always wondered, God, why aren't you hitting with lightning? God, why won't you hit him with lightning? God never hit him with lightning. But anyways, I um, convinced him that I would run away with him. Because if you've met me, I'm kind of magnetic. I have a lot of people around me. I have a lot of friends. And he hated that. Oh, he hated people talking to me. And I I couldn't stop people from talking to me. And so I told him, we'll run away. We'll, We'll go to New York. We'll go somewhere where no one knows me. Sell your gun. We'll use that money to go. And I'll be with you forever. And I'll only be with you because I love you. And um, he said, oh, my gosh, you're so smart. And he let me hug my brother at church that day. I hugged my brother and I said, wow. buy the gun. Don't ask questions. Wow. And so my brother told him he would buy the gun. I went into church. They never came in. The minister stood up. The minister left. My brothers never came in and the minister never came back in. The whole service was done by like one of the deacons. And when I came back out, my, the minister brought me into his office and he said, I don't know what that boy did to you but he'll never touch you again. Was he, where, where did he go? I don't know. Um, and that, that he's kind buried of was, under the church. No, 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 no. <laughs> wish. no but, but, but the thing is, is he went away and he disappeared for quite a while. And then like wow. 30 days later, I came home from work and he was sitting in my living room and um, he had a, he had a new gun and oh. he put it on, he put it, he put it at my my temple like he liked to do. And I moved the gun from here to here under my jaw. And I said, blow my head off. I'd rather die than you touch me again. And he fell to his knees crying. And he said, why won't you love me? I just want you to love me. And I remember wow. thinking in my head as this 19 year old girl, what did you see to think that was love? And I, I remember feeling pity for him. And I said, just get out of my life. And he left. And the last thing he said was, I'm going to kill you one day. One day you're going to be mine. And I I remember the last thing he said. And so for the next 
30 some odd years, I lived with fear that he was going to find me again. And I, 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 when I got the chances, you know, when I started speaking, I didn't want to get on big stages because I was terrified that he was going to find me. I went out and got a black belt. I mean, I've got my concealed carry. I mean, I did everything. So if he ever comes my way, I can fight this time. But then I realized I was living in fear every day. And so it became part of one of my trainings that I do with my clients is if you live in fear, that's not living, that's running. So stand in what you own and stop running from the fear and own it. And so that's part of my story. I don't run from fear anymore. Now I walk towards it. And if that little boy, and he will always be a little boy to me, he will never be a man. I don't care if he shows up at 60 years old to me. He's a little boy. I will not run. I'm not the little girl that he scared to death before. And now I have the tools to fight. And I have the tools and the mentality to that situational awareness that I didn't have before. And he doesn't have that thumb because I was terrified. And now, you know, through all the, well, you don't know me. So all the things that have gone through in my life in the past four years, I mean, I have a traumatic brain injury too. I, I have breast cancer. I mean, I've gone through so much. I'm not afraid. And part of my coaching is to help people stop being afraid, own who they are, know that message, know your why, and don't let anything get in your way. And that's part of that. And that's kind of the gift he gave me. Yeah, He gave me a gift. I had to find me so I would stop being afraid of him. Wow. That's so powerful. So powerful. So, so you, you, um, wow. Just uh, the, the, Going through that, going through it, Ken, you left me. <laughs> this, I'll tell you what the the I I love my Mac, but the Magic Mouse. Oh, like, sometimes it just does things like I barely touched the thing, and it just like, sorry. Um, I have the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like you you barely touch it and it moves you back a page and it's like what what um so, so you said you, going through yeah, yeah, you went through all that and I I've been through some 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 very tragic things myself at, at a younger age than that. Um you know, but but going through that today for me, for me looking back at a lot of the trauma it made me who I am today. It gave me strength that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. And wisdom that I wouldn't have had otherwise. It sounds like you frame it the same way. Like, yeah, it's armor. Yeah. And in everything I've experienced, no matter how tragic it is, I've come across little versions of it in, in business life. Yeah. So You take those kind of things and you do, you know what? I've seen that before. How did I adjust to that? Okay, let's apply it now. I mean, people, when you meet me and you see me in business and you see me on stage or wherever I am, I am very authoritative and I'm very quick on making decisions. Yeah. It's because I'm very good at filing all the things that have happened in my past. So yeah. I pull up that file, to, oh, done, did that, move, yeah. right? You're the same way. Yep, that's right. Learn. So, so, so you, um, how long did you stay in those four jobs and, and, in Omaha and how, how long were you in all that? The four jobs. I did that for many years. I think I stayed in those jobs until, until my husband proposed to me. And I think that was in, I was 23 by then. So. Wow. Five years. Okay. (laughs) And, and do you still live in Omaha? Heck no, I'm in Colorado. (laughs) I'm married a military man. So we've traveled the world. I mean, we've lived in Germany, Georgia, um, Korea. So we've hopped around. He flew with NATO. So we were all over the place. But my he got a job offer for Colorado. Now, Colorado has Shriver Air Base, you know, Shriver Air Force Base and Space Command. And so we came here because my mother and my two sisters live in Denver. And I have never lived close to my family since I left Omaha. So that chance happened. And we came from Georgia, from Warner Robins, Georgia, and came here and eventually retired here. So Georgia, the state, not the country, the state. Yeah. 
Warner wow. Robins, Georgia. Wow. Georgia's a beautiful place. I I used to live in Georgia a long time ago. Really? Yeah. 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 I so, so you you um, ended up in Colorado. How old were you when you moved to Colorado? I think. Well, I've been here for. You're asking brain injury girl a, a number question. I think I've been here for almost 20 years now. How old are okay. my kids? Yeah, I think it's almost I think it's 19 years. Okay. We've been here a while. So so what what was it? Because you had these these um four different jobs in mm -hmm. Omaha, mm -hmm. um, which have nothing to do with being a speaker or mm -hmm. writing books. Where was that shift? Where did that occur? Uh, that happened during um <laughs> <laughs> okay. As a military spouse, for those of you who don't know, we travel from country to country. And usually what happens if you don't speak the national language of that country, you can't get a job unless you work on base. Base jobs are very small and in, in small, short supply. And yeah. it's a BS job. Well, I couldn't work. So I did a lot of volunteer work. And so I would be, you know, be heads of the, the women's groups and things like that. Well, then I started having children now. So we're going to move really, really, really quick in Colorado. I became a quality examiner. I got my master's degree in quality systems management and wow. I'm a numbers person normally. Yeah. And then uh, I became an auctioneer. Yes. I'm a fundraising auctioneer. Can you do the fast talk thing? I can't anymore. And I What's would, that called? Is it just the chant? Oh, is it the chant? Like, yeah, I I've, I've never been very good at it. That's why I'm a fundraising. Yeah. Because the fundraising ones, we were slower. Yeah. Because sure. most people in the room aren't used to it. Yeah. They're not used to that. So I was an auctioneer and wow. as a fundraising auctioneer with sure success, they're my friends, sure success. And we, one day, Rich said, Michelle, I need you to go and talk to these fundraising people. And here I am. I'm on stage. I have no problem with all these crowds. I can say, okay, we're going to close the silent auction. And Bob had no problems goofing off with the, with the crowd. He sent me to a room with four people. And I was like this. I mean, I, I, I couldn't talk. And I was just scared out of my mind. And I told him, I can't talk in front of people. He goes, you're talking in front of people all the time. I do. No, I, I can't talk in front of these people. They're, they're looking at me and I can see them. And he said, you know what you need? You need Toastmasters. And so they made me go to Toastmasters. And I went to Toastmasters and I'm a natural speaker. So oh, I, yeah. I excelled very quickly. I got my DTM in like, I think exactly four years. And people started asking me to speak at Moth Hour and things like that in town. And then I started being asked to speak in other groups. And so I would go from, from Toastmaster to Toastmaster group. Then I had my car accident and it dropped. Mm. Oh, I also I did also spoke for people when um, I was doing politics. I wrote I, I wrote uh, political campaign speeches. I worked for campaigns here in Colorado, so mm. I would go like for Lincoln Day dinners and things like that and speak for my candidates. Then I had my car accident and everything got wiped out. Well, when I was in my head and could not speak for two years, oh, I couldn't speak and I couldn't walk for two years. Jeez. Yeah, you don't know my story. What I was happened, trapped. What, what happened in the car accident? I'm five foot. So seatbelts on me hit me here. Mm. So when I was in that car accident, it hit like this. And I went back and then I hit the, the window. So I hit my frontal, my front of my head, the back of my head, my left side. So I, I lost my frontal lobe, the back of my head, um, the left right over my ear and my two hemispheres disconnected. So I couldn't walk or talk. My body couldn't communicate to itself. So for two years, I was trapped in my head. Now, in that time period, I was fully cognizant, but I couldn't communicate. So everyone thought I couldn't understand them, but I was screaming in my head. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Oh I'm here. I'm here. And so I. Wow. I made it out of that. And the, the crazy, I'm going to have to tell you this one, because yeah. now you're all wondering what the heck's going on with me. At the end of that two years, I was pretty suicidal. And I, I wanted to die, but my saving grace was I couldn't move on my own. Mm. So I couldn't do anything to myself when anyone left me alone. So I'm sitting in my living room. My husband had placed me on a chair and I was sitting in my living room, screaming at God in my head. 
why would you give me all of this and then take everything away, then kill me, just kill me already. And I heard, you're not dead yet, get up. And my walls shook, my brain shook, everything shook. And I'm like, that was not a figment of my imagination. I heard that. I found myself six feet from a chair I couldn't walk from. And I realized that everything that had ever happened to me in my life, all those terrible things I thought God was attacking me for, yeah. I had someone standing there taking care of me. I would have been dead if I didn't have that guardian with me. And so I thanked God for everything that had ever happened to me because I wasn't being broken down. I was being built up and I was being protected. And same with this unable to speak and you know walk thing. It was something I was supposed to do. And so my husband said, when he came home, I was on my computer. I can't see. And I'm on my computer. And he said, what are you doing here? How did you get here? And I said, I have to speak. I have to speak. That's all I kept saying. And then he said, how are you speaking? I said, I have to speak. He says, how did you get here? I have to speak. And so that's what started the speaking journey. Wow. I was told to speak. So I, I got onto my email. Well, actually, he got on my email and he found an email from someone that said, Dear Michelle, we, we invite you to speak at TEDx Colorado Springs. And I didn't know what a TEDx was. I'd been locked in my head for two years. And I said, say yes. So he wrote back, yes. Wow. And I said, what's a TEDx? And so we had to research what a TEDx was. And then the big thing about that was I had a 30-second memory. I did a TEDx, and I couldn't remember what I said. I went up there cold. Wow. So what's amazing about that is I hear so many, and that's another part. That's what, the other thing that brought me into the speaking and coaching world. I meet so many people who tell me what they can't do. Oh, I don't have enough education. Oh, I haven't finished this yet. Oh, I'm still, I have to lose 30 pounds before I do. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm functioning with four parts of my brain not working. I have a 30 second memory and I did. If I can do it, you can do it. You are fully capable of doing whatever you want to do. You just have to choose to do it and yeah. walk into that power. And that is what I've been doing ever since that accident. Now, what people don't realize also is in that journey of speaking, I found out I had breast cancer and they gave me about three months to live because of the type of cancer I had. It's been four years. Wow. I'm still here. So my, my thing is, here's my advice to all of you listening right now. Don't listen to what the world is telling you. Your heart knows your gut knows, your soul knows. If I listened to what the world told me I should be, my brain injury, I would still be sitting on that couch. I would still be 389 pounds because I am 53 years old. And after your fifties, you don't lose weight, right? If Not I believe true. what the world said, I wouldn't be able to do a TEDx because I didn't have the memory to memorize it. I have a 30 second memory. I'm much better now, about four minutes. No, just kidding. But yeah. that's the thing. If we listen to what the world tells us is standard, you will stay standard. Yeah. If you trust your gut and move towards what you really want, even if you're afraid of doing it, the world will open to you. Let the world open because it wants to. Powerful. So, so you, you, um, when you heard that, that you need to speak and that day you walked, I walked wow. to the, I walked to the chair somehow. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember it at all. I mean, that memory, I, I remember the talk. I remember being told to get up, but the computer thing, all of that, I don't remember. I just know after that, I went to a lot of therapy. I, I started going to Fort Carson and got seen with the soldiers that came back from Iraq and all. I was with them. Uh, and then I went to something called um, neurofeedback at Harmonized Brain Centers. And so we did a lot of therapy with my brain. I did a lot more uh, speech therapy. I had to regain the ability to hold a fork and to bring have the motion of bringing that fork to my face. You don't wow. understand how much your brain is doing together when you only have one working at a time. 
So whenever I would close my eyes, and that was my other problem because of the back of my head that makes it works your eyes. Every time I blinked, I would fall. So every blink I would fall because once my eyes closed, my balance was off. So I would wow. kind of sit there doing this a lot, <laughs> trying to keep my eyes open. Wow. So I learned a lot in the past four years. And if you look at me, you'd never know I have a brain injury. I have a traumatic brain injury. If you're around me a lot and you see me tired, you'll find that I do have a, a brain injury. I just function around it very, very well. I've got a lot of things that I do that keeps me upright, a lot of things that keep me on time. I love this little device, this little computer we all hold. It's amazing. Yep. I mean, it keeps me on everything. Most people yep. don't realize that, you know, half the time I don't remember why I'm meeting somebody because my brain drops it. Wow. That's but, amazing. oh, I do have to share one thing. When I couldn't talk and walk, the one thing I could do, I could sing. I could sing for water. I couldn't say, give me a glass of water. Couldn't say it. I would do cylinder, liquid. I couldn't say glass of water. But if wow. I said, I'd like a glass of water, I'd get it. Wow. You know, it reminded me of like, there was that country singer. He had a really bad stutter, but he sang and it was perfect. Can't yeah. remember. It's the same thing. Yeah. I couldn't talk, but I could sing. Wow. That's incredible. So you, you, um, geez, I don't even know where to go from there. Like you, so you, you started though, um, at that point you started, you did the, the TEDx talk. Um, and, and where did you go from there? Where, how did you get into, um, All of this? <laughs> deciding that you're going to be a coach and you're going to, um, help other people with 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 their their talks and how did that all come about? Well, the TED, the TEDx, it blew up in India. I mean, like huge. And I started getting this huge following, and people were writing me from India saying, "Oh, you're so inspiring. Oh, please share more." So I started doing Facebook Lives and just talking. And then I got more and more. And then one day, um, oh, that was it. I met a man named Robert Kittredge and he said, you know, you keep saying you don't remember anything, but you were a really strong leader in the Toastmaster group. And I said, I was, he is. Yeah. His, I said, well, my husband says I have a lot of John Maxwell books. He is, I'm on the John Maxwell team. He is, if you want to maybe trigger your memory more, cause I lost years of my life. He is, maybe that will help trigger. So I joined the John Maxwell team and Yes, we do. We love karaoke. I joined the John Maxwell team and like somewhere in that I got nominated for the culture award for the John Maxwell team. And I won the culture award for positive attitude in uh, 2018. And so I got to speak in front of with John Maxwell in front of Oh, I won over 8,000 coaches around the world. And John had me on stage and I got to talk to him and it was amazing. And when I came out of that, I went to Ireland and then I also went to India to speak and get a word from the Women's Economic Forum. And so I'm like, what is all this doing? I mean, remember, I don't have a memory. So I'm like, why do I, who keeps reaching me? I, I didn't know, but I just kept walking. And in India, someone said, oh, Michelle, how's it feel to be an international speaker? And I said, I'm not an international speaker. And they said, you're in India. And you're speaking to a couple thousand women right now. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm an international speaker. I had no clue. I was just saying yes. I promised God, yes. So I just kept saying yes. And the next thing I know, I'm an international speaker. And there are people who were running down halls to get my signature. And people had my book that I didn't even know could get my book. They had my first book, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. It was my TED Talk. And... Uh, it was crazy. It happened so fast to me. And then I went to Ireland, met John Maxwell out there and um, yeah. helped lift Ireland with their launch party. And it was amazing. Then I came back to the States and people were writing me doing, Michelle, can you coach me? I said, coach you for what? And they do, I want to speak like you. And that's how it started. Wow. I didn't yeah. know. It just happened. Yeah. And I'm natural at it. So why fight that? It's what I was supposed to do. I agree. Amen. 
So what are some of the things that you've discovered along the way um, when it comes to people speaking? I'm a speaker. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you see people doing um, that maybe aren't the right way to speak from a stage or a live stream? I have I have an, an entire academy training people on this stuff, right? So I'm working what, on that. What, what's that? I said, I'm working on that. Oh, uh, so, but what are some of the things that you see people doing that, that they're, they could be doing better? What are some of the top things? The number one thing I see that speakers that makes me cringe is when a speaker is channeling another speaker. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. There are people who come out and they don't trust themselves. So they want to be Tony Robbins. So they come out and they talk like Tony Robbins. Yeah. And my, I always when I get a chance, if they're anywhere in my sphere, I do. The world is listening and waiting for your voice. Someone's waiting for you. They don't need another Tony Robbins. They don't need another Les Brown. They don't need a John Maxwell. They don't need a Brene Brown. They need you. And yep. if you are called to a stage and say, I, I, I feel I need to speak, I need to share, then you need to share from you. Because I can tell you, I've heard, we've all done it. We've all heard the same message over and over and over and over and over and over. And then one day one person says to you, oh, it's a revelation. Yep. It's because it's that one person's voice, their intonation, their history, whatever you clicked with is what they need. So if you're a speaker and you're channeling someone else's personality, stop. Be you. If you agree with her, say I. <laughs> That's Tony. Be you. Tony. And, and then the other you gotta part. You got to be hungry. You got to be hungry. Yeah, <laughs> hungry. No, and that's it. It's like, stop doing that. Yeah. Be naturally you. And then I the agree. other one is, I always tease about this because this, this, this is a Toastmaster giveaway. You remember Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yep. And they're captured in the castle and they're, they're dolls. I don't remember that. Okay. But. There's a girl, the girl and uh, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. He's the puppet and she's a doll on a box. And she's singing. And this is what goes through my mind. What do you see? You people gazing at me, turning around on a move. And I look at people on stage and you can hear, almost hear them when they're talking. I believe two, three, four, that you two, three, four, are <laughs> two, three, four. You know, and I'm like, do you really talk like that? <laughs> right? It drives me crazy. It's like, stop <sighs> counting. Be you. Thank you, Ruben. Be you. And when you're on that audience, when that stage, it's not about you. That whole audience, they're looking at you doing, oh my gosh, I'm so glad it's not me. Okay? That's number yeah. one. The other thing the audience is doing, wow, they're the expert in their field. Number three is, they're all your friends. No one wants anyone to fail on stage. So when you're on that stage, they're your friends. How do you talk to your friends? Yes. You smile, you. you laugh, you move, you, you have fun, you joke, but you don't talk like this, like Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. You know, people are attracted to music. And yep. they like that intonation of music. We're ingrained. It's ingrained into us since we're babies. That's why our, our mommies and daddies sang to us. That's how we learn language. Yeah. As humans, we need melody. So if you're a speaker and you speak monotone, I want you to go out there and take a voice lesson, go to a karaoke bar, or start singing in your car. Because you need to learn that different emotions need different tones. And when you're trying to make a point, stop and make that point clear. A lot of people will say something as simple as, my name is Michelle Moross and thank you so much for being here. No, say hello. My name is Michelle Moross. Thank you for being here. Slow down for the things you want people to hear. Because if you don't, why are you there? I think that's my three. I, I you know what, I... I, I agree with everything you're saying. Everything. I, I I see it. I watch. I stalk live streams. I've done. I've done well over three thousand live streams. Um. I. You know. I've. I've interviewed some of the top 
leaders in the world. And, and, and I'm like, you know, I watch people on live streams or doing interviews and I'm like, you know, and I'm sure you would agree with this, Michelle, a lot of people get on um, and they'll do an interview like this and make it all about themselves and they don't listen to their guest and, and that, you know, it, it makes me crazy, crazy, crazy. So, so talk about, um, so, you, you know, you're an entrepreneur and as we know, entrepreneurship is, um, not very easy sometimes. So when you first started, how many, you know, how many free speeches did you give before you ever got paid to do a speech? Hundreds. Because yeah. I didn't even know I was speaking. Right. I was just helping. <laughs> Everything right. was helping. And then I, I didn't realize someone wanted to pay me until someone's like, can we at least get you lunch? And I was like, you can give me lunch. I mean, I just like talking. I just wanted to share. Yeah. And then it, I think it was, I think when I started getting paid, it was when someone said, thank you, Nancy. Someone told me, I'm not bringing you on my stage unless I'm paying you at least 12. And I said, 12 with zeros behind it. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what happened. She yeah. refused to put me on her stage unless I put on my contract at least 12. And so I put 12,000, I put it in and she said, make it 15. Made it 15. She says, that is presentable. She says, you are a powerful speaker. I know you're new to the business, but there is no way my board's going to allow me to bring you on without money yeah. or you're nobody. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And that was my first realization. I need to put a dollar amount or my, the level of what they take me as serious goes up and down. And so that is what happened with my speaking. It was like, okay, now I'm just going to put a big number and they can talk me down. And yep. that's what started with my whole career was I put some crazy number that I could, I could say without throwing up. And yeah. that's how it happened. And people are like, that's it? Oh, you're a powerful speaker. I, no, I want this and this. Can you give me some of your books? How many more are books? And so people started negotiating with me. I'm like, I, I told my husband, uh, honey, uh, I think I'm a speaker. <laughs> I think you are. You know, so. That's awesome. It, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And the power of all this is you and I get a chance to meet so many interesting, amazing, beautiful people yeah. and to guide them through. And sometimes as an interviewer, as you know, because I do the same thing on, yeah. on Mental Shift and, and on Denim and Pearls, is sometimes we guide our guests to bring out the best version of them. Yeah. And that's part of our power as hosts. Well, that being said, I, I have to ask you, what are, you know, when you, when you ventured into the speaking gig <laughs> world, um, world and, and, and entrepreneurship and, and, you know, now you own your own business, you're doing this, this thing. Um, what are some of the, because I have experienced imposter syndrome on a super high level where I, I remember my very first professional speaking gig was a company hired me in Las and wanted me to fly. They flew me to Las Vegas, put me up and all this. And, and I was like, what you mean? I don't have to pay you. <laughs> I was like, it didn't, didn't register. And I, I was like, no, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's like, what the heck? It's like, that? is there a turd on my shoulder? <laughs> like, I know, but no, you, you know, you have that, like, why? Like I did at least I was like, why, why do they like, wow, they're really doing this. And, and so, you know, for somebody that may be watching that has a, a, a dream of being a speaker um, and they don't know where to start. Like, I, you, where do they start? How do they get started being a speaker? You know, not everybody's going to go to Toastmasters. I didn't go to Toastmasters. I just made a fool of myself over 3000 times on, <laughs> on a live stream. 
So, I mean, what, what do you, what do you say to people that are like, I don't know where to start, but I want to be a speaker. I've got a message. I want to get out there on these stages and, and, and talk to people. My advice to you then that person out there who's saying that to yourself right now, we're in the world of technology. We have streaming on everything, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, TikTok. Speakers speak. Speakers don't just write and put up blogs. In order to get hired as a speaker, they must hear your voice. Get out there on a platform. And I don't care if you go on Instagram for three minutes, two minutes and say, hi, my name is Michelle Moross and I have a story to tell. Click. I have yep. part two story to tell. Click. I mean, whatever you need to do. And that's why I started on Facebook, not knowing what I was doing, but started on Facebook and said, you know what? I wrote a book called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. And my first chapter, and that's what I did. I took my first chapter and I read it. I've read like a bit of the story and went, you know, what I learned from that was, and that's all I did. And every Wednesday I would come on and say a little bit more of my book. So do something like that. Because once you get comfortable telling your story and opening your heart to the world of you never know who's going to answer you, it makes it one easier Two, I got my show. I have a TV show in the Philippines. Okay. Yeah. And it's, they stream me into the Philippines. And what's beautiful about it is they found me on Facebook. They found me. Did you hear that? They found me on Facebook. They yeah. saw this little brown lady talking on her Facebook page. Someone shared it. And they said, did you hear what she said? That's powerful. And then this guy started watching me from the Philippines. And then he saw that I was coming to the Philippines. He wrote me and said, hey, I hear you're coming to the Philippines. Are you come to Manila? And I said, yes, yes, I'd love to meet you. I'm head of the Speakers Bureau of the Philippines. You never know who's listening. You, you never know. So even though you're on, let's say, Facebook or Instagram, and no one seems to be watching, do it anyways. People share. And sometimes yeah. you don't see who's watching the watch of the watch of the watch. Speak anyways, and your audience will grow. I don't say, I'm not saying you have to make a podcast. No, I say just go Facebook Live on your page, get comfortable. And if you want to do more, then step it up to a weekly, you know, Wednesday Wisdoms with Michelle kind of thing like I did, and yeah. then move it to a podcast. Remember, you aren't a speaker unless you speak. You don't get good at speaking unless you keep doing it. And I can't remember who said it, but... He's someone from Toastmasters. He's really awesome. Stage time, stage time, stage time. Anytime someone says, would you like to give a little? Yes. And they hand you the mic. <laughs> Do it. Yep. Because that is what makes you more powerful as a speaker when you get used to many, many different environments and different situations. Just speak. Yeah. Go make it. Make your platform. Say yes. When I introduced you, I said, let me welcome to the stage. This is a stage and people don't get it. They just don't. And, and, and I, I agree. I've said most of the same things you just said. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, that if you ask, you know, people, what's your life purpose? Most people are going to respond with some form of an answer that has something to do with helping others, right? But they hide. Mm -hmm. well, how in the hell are you going to help others if you're hiding? Like you can't hide. Someone gotta, is waiting. Someone is waiting. Someone is waiting. I, 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 I'll tell you the moment I realized what everything you just said the moment I realized it was all true, that you never know who's watching. Um, I'm friends with Grant Cardone and, and I, I was at, he was speaking at an event in Vegas and I was there and him and I were talking outside and he said, do you want to come in? It was a bunch of chiropractors. And I said, no, I don't want to come in. It's good. I've heard you talk, go kill them all and blah, blah, blah. Right. He goes, Hey man, just want you to know something. I said, what? And he goes, I'm watching everything you're doing, man. You're killing it. <laughs> I said, watching what? And he goes, I watch all your live streams. I said, dude, what? Really? I, and I walked away from that thinking, I can't, I can't believe he just said he watches everything I'm doing. You never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. So I agree a thousand percent. Let me ask you a question. I'm sorry. I went off on a little, little, I don't do that very often. Do you not know my, my, my tagline? What? 
my tagline is be the best version of you unapologetically. <laughs> well, I, but I like making this about, about my guests, not about me, but you know, the, the, um, I always ask a couple of questions towards the end of the show and I can't even believe we're already towards the end of the show. Um, this has gone like that. Um, so what do you think? And the number one answer to this question is fear. So you have to do better. Um, what do you think holds people back from two things in life? Number one, true financial success. And number two, happiness and freedom. And I do believe they're related because I've been broke and I've been wealthy and I know that being broke is no fun. Okay. So the first question, the first one was money, why people fear money or no, no. what, what holds people back from having everything they want in life? They don't believe to deserve it. Mm. Once you realize that it's not bad to want and actually get, you can yeah. have it. Think of yeah. all the times you wanted a cookie when you were a little kid. I want a cookie. No, you can't have a cookie. But I want a cookie. No, you can't have a cookie yet. You have to do this, 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 this first. And as adults, we do. I really want to make that paycheck. Wait, no, I've got to do this, this, this. And no, you don't. <laughs> you can get the dang cookie. Yeah. We've been programmed that we have to eat all this other stuff first in our lives. We have to pay our dues. We have to, we have to work under somebody who, who doesn't appreciate us. We have to pay our tolls. Well, here my thing is, life is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. And that you need to go get what you want. Go seek your dream now. Now. That ties in with the happiness thing. Why do people not, what, what they don't achieve or feel that they're happy? It's because they're measuring up to something else. Mm. Look inside of yourself. You would see the things you loved about yourself. Focus on those and you will find peace and happiness right where you are right now. But if you want more and you see something bigger, that joy and happiness is still there. You're just still seeking something else. So, if you're looking for joy and happiness, it's not outside. It's here. It's in your mind and it's in your heart. Get quiet with yourself. I, I, I said this about COVID. When everyone got locked in and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'm locked in my house. I can't take it anymore. I need people. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's the thing. This is the perfect opportunity to learn about you. How do I know this? I was trapped in my head for two years and no one knew I was there. I felt COVID was the exact same thing for the rest of the world. Get quiet. Listen to all those crazy thoughts in your head and fight them. Debate with them. I wrote a book called It's Not Luck Overcoming You. It was all the thoughts that happened in my head when I was locked in my head. So when COVID happened, I was handing my book out like candy to people because that's what it was. People can't find happiness because they don't want to be alone with themselves. Here's a secret. Happiness comes from inside. Be able to be alone with yourself. And once you can do that and love yourself, even though you're a little crazy, because you're a little crazy, happiness is everywhere you look. If you ever meet me anywhere I am, and that's how Ken met me, he didn't even know what I did. But I glow happiness and yep. joy, exuberance, because I know who I am. And I don't need anything outside of me to tell me I'm good enough. Nothing outside to tell me be happy. Nothing outside to say you are wealthy beyond your means because I know me go find you be quiet and you wow. will have your money and your happiness. That's awesome. That's powerful. I hope everybody, I hope that landed for a lot of people because I 1000% agree once again. <laughs> so, you know, during COVID, um, and I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a recovered alcoholic with 20 years sober almost. And, and there was a time when, when I, I was, I didn't want to live. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the guts to pull uh, anything, but, um, I, I really didn't want to be here. And I know that during COVID suicide skyrocketed globally. And, and I think that there's a lot of people who, um, are very quiet, but they're, they're barely hanging on to life by a string. What do you say to the people who feel like they've tried everything 
and they've lost all hope and they don't know which way to go. Um, and maybe those thoughts are going through their heads. What, what do you say to them? I know how you feel. I've been there multiple times and I guess two things will go through my head. Life's not easy. It's never been promised to be. But I promise you, I'm promising you, that when you're on that last string, when you think you can't go any further, that's it. It's right when you're about to break right through all that pain. That pain is not there to break you down. That pain is meant to help you shed whatever you've been holding on to. So in Ken's case, he had to shed the fact that he was using alcohol as a crutch to hide. With me, I had to shed the fact that I thought that, you know, I wasn't worthy of living because I wasn't a beautiful person. I, I wanted to go away because I was worthless. I had to realize that my worth wasn't from the outside. I can't let the outside determine who I am. I have to find what I love in me. You must find something every day that you love in you. I mean, if you ever come to my house, I have a list on my mirror I wrote with a dry erase pen. It, the first thing was like, you're a good person. The next one was, you never hurt anyone in intentionally. I mean, that's how I had to start. And it, and it slowly built this list of things that I liked about myself that I had to see every day to remind me that my children still needed me. There were people who actually do love me, even though I didn't believe they loved me. I had to know they did. Because in that state, when we were in that state of giving up, no one loves us, we're all alone, and no one would notice if we're gone. And then I want you to do something. And this is a really powerful and painful thing to do. And it's something I did for myself. I wrote a eulogy. And I wrote a eulogy from the two people I thought really did actually love me who might actually miss me. And that was my husband and my sister. I wrote that eulogy from their point of view with their voice, with everything. I wrote it like them. And by the end of those two eulogies, I couldn't take my life. I couldn't even think about it anymore because I knew they saw me more than I saw me. They believed in me more than I believed in me. And sometimes when we're at that breaking point, yep. got to grab on to someone who believes in us more, borrow their belief and hold on to it until you can believe it too. Don't give up. Wow. 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 That's powerful. That's powerful. Michelle, where's, where's the best place for um, everybody to follow you, to learn more about you? Do you have a website address that I can throw up on the screen? It's my name. Oh, www.michellemoraz.com. And it's not pronounced Moraz for those of you that want to call her Michelle Moraz. Stop Actually, it. what's funny, <laughs> um, my first big speaking gig, they introduced me as Michelle Moraz. Oh, <laughs> and I, I mean, what a perfect way to break up. I walked up on stage and I think the whole audience was kind of in shock. And I, you have to think, I was like 300 pounds the first time I took stage. So I walked on the stage and I turned around and I hit my butt and I said, if that was his name, I would have kept my maiden name. And the whole room just laughed. It was the perfect way to break up the room. So please don't call me Moras, but it's Moras, yes. Moras. Michelle Moras. And the reason why you can find me on my website is remember, I have a brain injury. I had to make it as simple as possible to find me for me. Yeah. Because I have, my memory is very body every once in a while. My name is where you can find every social media platform, my YouTube channel, my, you know, samples of my speaking, everything. It's all there. And my courses are there too. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Michelle, you are a real life rock star. And I am so grateful that you came on and shared and, and your wisdom. All of a sudden I'm getting an echo. That's weird. I heard it like 10 minutes ago. Did it you stopped, really? But it stopped. It's the internet does that. Um, Michelle, listen, thank you for being here today. Thank you to everyone who's watched and shared. And are there any other words of wisdom that you would like to leave the audience with today? 
Oh, I want to do my Maya Angelou quote. I love to say this. Okay. After everything I've gone through, this is it. My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Go out there and be the best version of you unapologetically. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you to everyone who shared this out. If you didn't share it out, redeem yourself right now and share this out. Michelle, thank you so much. And, and, and we'll see you guys later. Michelle, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.